0: This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now, the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. Welcome back to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickren, coming to you from downtown offices at Blair Cato Pickren Cashline in Columbia, South Carolina. One of our six offices. It also includes Chapin, Camden, Columbia, Lexington, Spartanburg, and Greenville. So don't forget, we have all those other offices. What I'm going to talk about today is going to be about how to business plan. Something that Dr. Cindy McGovern, the first doctor of sales, she's our business coach. She taught us how to do this business planning years ago. And if you are a small business, which that's exactly what you are, every small business must, must business plan. And I'm going to teach you her unique strategies on how to do it, particularly for real estate agents, because a lot of real estate agents don't necessarily do it the right way. They plan based on number of units they're going to sell or uh, gross amount of money they're going to sell, whether they're going to sell $100 million in houses, which are irrelevant. The only thing that matters is how much money you're going to put in your pocket at the end of the year. And so we're going to talk to how to plan based on what income that you want to achieve. Before we get there, just today, I'm recording this today on October 31st, just today, breaking news in the two cases, the Sitzer-Burnett case on the against the National Association of Realtors Keller Williams and others. This is a case where the plaintiffs allege there is a conspiracy amongst the National Association of Realtors and several real estate agencies, including Anywhere, Remax, Home Services of America, and several others, to set a commission rate at 6% across the country for every agent. Now, I know as well as you do, that's complete garbage. There was no conspiracy. There was no meeting of the minds of people getting together. But somehow they were able to convince the jury, I think a lot by playing on emotions and greed, to convince them that plaintiffs from Missouri were somehow overcharged real estate commissions through some type of conspiracy. And in a two hour and 28 minute deliberation, the jury came back for the plaintiffs and hit the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams and Home Services of America, HSF affiliates and BHH affiliates for $1.7 billion with a B with ab dollars $1.78 billion, the verdict against the association. And what makes the verdict worse, according to Inman News, that it will automatically be trebled to $5.356 billion. Yes. So basically right now we're looking at a judgment against the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams, that, that are in our market at $5.3 billion. What does that really mean? No one really knows. I believe, well, I don't believe, I know for a fact that Keller Williams and NAR will 100% appeal this. They'll have to go through the appellate process. Who knows whether it gets all the way up to the Supreme Court, but this should be years away before a resolution unless there is some type of settlement. As you know, earlier, Anywhere, which is formerly Rilogy as well as REMAX, did settle for, I think one was $88 million, it was somewhere in the 50s earlier before the lawsuit. And, It doesn't get much better from there. We do know that today, in just a matter of hours since the verdicts come out, that there have been a bloodbath at the stock market, that the stock shares of Anywhere and REMAX were down 4%, Compass and Redfin, their shares were down 6% and 5% respectively, and I think you'll continue to see those go down much further. We also know that there has been lawsuits also filed. That the lawyers for Sitzer and Burnett, within a few minutes of winning the case, came out and has now filed lawsuits on the same theories against Compass, EXP, Redfin, Wykert, United Real Estate, Howard Hanna, and Douglas Elliman. So, And they also Nash named the National Association of Realtors yet again. While these companies may have felt they had somehow escaped the wrath of this case, they are now brought right back in and will be before the United States District Court for the Western District of Missouri. Could not be a more... Miserable day for real estate. I don't think this is a a correct verdict. I don't see there was any conspiracy. There was no meeting of the minds. Nobody got together and decided. It's like the defendant uh, stated in their closing argument. If you walk outside and there's 50 people with umbrellas up, it's probably because it's raining outside, not because they got together and conspired that they all needed to have umbrellas up. And I believe that's pretty much where the real estate industry has been. I don't believe there was any ever meeting of the minds where everyone said you have to charge 6% and only charge that because we don't want to create competition. That's not true. In fact, in one of the closing arguments, they made the comment that in the small period of time that they looked for the uh, MLSs that were at in the dispute, there was over 110,000 examples of where 6% was not charged as a commission. But again, I think the plaintiff's lawyers did a good job of playing on the jury's emotion by talking about how much of the equity went to the real estate agent. How much equity depends on how much money you put down when you bought the house, as well as how much money you've paid down. It has nothing to do with what percentage the real estate agent commission is. But at this point, it is what it is. So let's go ahead and keep an eye on it. But let's go ahead and start with our show this week. November is the time of the year when Blair Cato starts planning as a law firm. It's something that we learned through our business coach, Cindy McGovern, that a lot of you all have met her. She was at our Real Estate Success Summit. She's also written several books, Sell Yourself, Every Job to Sales Job. So, you know, Cindy is the doctor of sales. She knows what she's doing. She's phenomenal. And we started doing this business planning, I think, about five years ago. I'll be honest. The first time we did it, it was not an easy task. took a long time. A lot of thought process went into it. A lot of papers, a bunch of sheets going around the table trying to get the numbers exactly right. And it was very difficult the very first time. But now, we are able to use what we created last year and the year before and work off that form and just add our current numbers to it. And it's quite easy to complete. And I think the first time we did it, it took the better part of one day, and now we can do it by an hour. So it's not a very difficult process once you understand the process and once you decide on how and what information you want to compile. So what I'm going to do today is kind of talk to you about what we do and how I think you all can do the same thing to get your 2024 planned in the manner which you need to and Believe me, business planning is absolutely vital. If you don't know what your goals are, you don't know how much it costs you each month to be in business, if you don't know what your revenue should be each month, if you don't know whether you're going to make money in January or February, or you're going to make all your money in June, I don't know how you effectively can run a business. And you need to understand, even as a single agent, you are running a business. Whether you're a team, one agent, whether you do five closings a year or do 500 a year, you're still a small business owner's. And small businesses fail at a tremendous rate in the United States. So how do you become somebody that's not one of the statistics and fail is that you have to plan and you have to understand what your business is, what it is not, what your costs are, and when those costs are going to hit you so that you can effectively plan. If you know you're going to have a big level of costs coming out in June and you have a nice paycheck in May, you don't want to go spend all that money knowing that in June you're going to have insurance or a payment for a marketing event or whatever you need to be able to plan those out so that your money doesn't become an issue. So let me talk a little bit about how we do our planning and, and some of the items that you might want to consider when you look at. So if you haven't planned before, now is the time to start doing. If you've planned in the past, you want to pull that material out that you've used in the past and let's start putting together our plan. Hopefully, this will be very helpful to you since it does come from Dr. Cindy McGovern. She taught me how to do this on our scale. And I'm basically just taking her information and trying now to apply it to what you do. And after all, as I said, she is the doctor of sales. So she has a Ph.D. in sales and she really knows what she's doing. So before you get started, I think what you need to do is start gathering some information. And most of what you need to gather are statistics, numbers. We need your numbers of 2022 closings that you got, uh, the number of 2023 closings as well. You are want to be able to break the 22 and the 23 closings, not only uh, in the numbers that you have, but you're going to want to be able to break those down by types, buyer side, seller side. You're going to want to be able to break those down by when you did those closings as well. Uh, You need to look for how much money you made on each of those transactions, how much money you made for the the year. You want to look at how many transactions you did. You need to know your expenses by month for 2022 and 2023. You're going to need a couple of calendars because what I'm going to show you how to do here is going to be pretty easy to do, but you need a calendar to kind of mark it out to help you visualize it. You're going to need a calendar and then you're going to need access probably to a type of spreadsheet. I like to use Excel. It's very simple but any type of program like that. So what we're going to do is you're going to start by evaluating your 2022 and your 2023 so that you can start creating your 2024 numbers. And what we suggest is on a calendar, pull out a calendar, 12-month calendar, place on the date of each day that you did a closing, that closing. You can identify whatever way you want to, closing number one, closing number two, or Jones closing, or 104 Smith Street, whatever you want to do, just get that closing on the calendar for the date of which you closed it. Now, beside that, put a B or an S for whether it's a buyer side or a seller side, and then put the total commission. Now, personally, I think if you're going to put commission down, it needs to be what your gross commission was or your net commission was, not your gross. because It doesn't matter if you made a $6,000 commission. If at the end of the day, after you pay your commission split with your brokerage, you only made $4,000, you need to put $4,000 because that's the money that's coming to you. So be sure to put what your net commission was, not your GCI. Now, on each month, after you finish each month, what I want you to do is total up the number of buyer sides and the number of seller sides, as well as the total commission that you made for that month. And you're going to do that for every closing you had in 2022 and every closing you had in 2023. So make sure you put them on the calendar, in the month, on the date you did the closing, whether it was buyer side, seller side, how much the commission was to you that you netted. And then at the bottom of that calendar page, put the total number of buyers, the total numbers of sellers, and the total amount of commission that you made on each one of them. The other thing I would tell you to do at this point is now you want to divide the total commission by the number of transactions for that month. So if you had uh, two transactions and your total commission was twelve grand, you know that you average $6,000 per transaction. So you're going to put an AVG, $6,000, so that you know that month you average $6,000 per transaction. If you would like to, which I hope you would do, is break it down a little bit further, is break it down by the number of buyer sides, the number of seller sides. And then what the total commission was for buyers, what the total commissions were for sellers that month, and then what the average was for each one of those. And you want to do that for all 12 months, and you want to do that for all of 2022 and then all of 2023. At this point, what I want you to do now is just spend some time looking at it. Look at what you got. You can truly start seeing some patterns there. You might see that, wow, I don't really do a lot of closings in January and February, but my March, as always, these two years has been gangbusters. You might see that maybe around uh, July that the, that the numbers go down as well, and it just kind of gives you a way to kind of plan to see what really are you looking at. Are you do you come out of the gate strong in January? Do you finish the year strong? Does the summer remain stronger? Is that time that you're not spending as much time working because you're all doing things with the kids and so forth? So it kind of gives you an overall view, and I think if you spend some time just thinking and looking at that calendar over a two-year period, you'll really start seeing those patterns and start really being able to reflect on what your business is. How's your business working? When does your business actually happen? Now, after you do this, what I want you to do is now go to your Excel spreadsheet. And I would create a column and do this for each year for 2022 and then one for 2023. Create columns across the top for each month, January, February, March, all the way across so that your spreadsheet is going to be 13 or 14 columns wide because you're going to have the year, then each one of the months, January, February, March, all the way across. And you're probably going to have another couple of blank columns before that so that you can add items. Now, down the side for each month, uh, I want you to create a couple of headings. I want you to kind of really think about how much information you want here. But at a bare minimum, you should break it down by buyer side, total buyer commission, and average, average commission per buyer. And you're going to put that down. And for each month, you're going to be able to fill that information by going back to your calendar, You can look in January, you had one buyer side. February, you had zero buyer sides. March, you had three buyer sides. And then just do it all the way across for all 12 months. Then go put the total buyer commissions in for each of those dates and then do the same thing for your average commission. So if in January, you have one closing at $6,000, your average was six. If in March, you had three closings and you made 15 grand, your average for that month is five. So you want to do that for the buyer side. Then right below that for both years, you're going to want to do that for the seller size, The number of seller sides you had, the number, total amount of seller commission, the average commission per seller side. And you do that for all of those months. And then lastly, what you should do in a third group is do totals. Now you'll do total transactions, buyer and seller combined, total commission, as well as average. And those can just be added up. You can actually use Excel to add the numbers for you. But go ahead and add those up. So in January, you had one seller side, uh, let's say, and you made $5,000. In January, you had Two buyer sides at uh, $12,000. You'll add that up as in three total sides, $17,000, and then divide that to see what your total commissions were. On average, it's going to be, what, around six thousand, five and a half, six thousand dollars 6000 And so you'll do that for 2022, and you'll do that for 2023. And the reason you want to do those two months is it kind of starts again showing you some some hopeful patterns that you can see. And at this point, what I would want you to do is to really look at the spreadsheet again and see those patterns. See where the money's being made. What months are the money? Is the money really coming in? What months are the lean months? Is there a pattern? Is was twenty twenty two lean in January, but twenty twenty three was great in January. And sometimes you might find that there is no pattern, and that's okay. We we have pretty much seen there were patterns for many many years. I've been doing this for many years now, where we tracked this in some form or fashion, even before Cindy. But it wasn't tracked to the way we were doing it with Cindy. But we had some form or fashion of being able to track the months, and so what used to be before COVID was a pretty good bell curve. You started out slow in January, February, worked your way up, and then you started going down again in August or September. That doesn't seem to be the case much more anymore, particularly in Colombia, The market and other, uh, some of our other markets are a little bit different, but in Colombia, it's pretty much the same with a bump in the middle, but you may have a, an incredible October that's better than a summer month, but you also may have a, an April that it's worse than any Month of the year, it's it's very weird how that now works. But at least you're able to see that once or twice a year you might have those what we call correction months, where the market just collapses for that one month. But then the next month it comes up real big. So you can really learn a lot by really studying and looking at those figures. Even if you're not a numbers person, and I'm not really a numbers person, just being able to see those numbers helps you visualize it and see that there are some patterns and things uh, that you can recognize. The other thing you might want to do if you're so inclined is to try to do this for at least the last four years. I think if you get back prior to COVID, it might be a little bit out of whack. But if you start in 2021 or 2020 and maybe have three or four years, you're going to see that 2020 is all kind of crazy with numbers. But you can kind of see a pattern there and you really get a good idea of what your businesses look like over the last four or five years. The more information that you have on this spreadsheet about your revenue over the years and per month and per transaction and average per transaction the better you're going to be able to be at planning your business, planning your money flow, and creating a more sustainable, scalable business. And it, But understand, at this point, all we've done is we've created a snapshot of your revenue. We haven't truly looked at what you're making. We're looking just solely at your revenue. So the information you have before you is only going to be as good as the amount and types of information you put in it. Revenue, to me, is only half the picture. It's not the whole picture. So at the same time, I think it's now time to create some information about expenses. And so right below where you have your revenue totals for 2021 and 2022, and you got them all totaled up there for each year, I think at the point where you need to do now is now do a section in the spreadsheet for expenses. And do it by month the same way. And if you have your spreadsheet out, you should know pretty much per month what your expenses were if you don't have them broken down by month and you have them broken down by year, you can at least divide them out by 12 and do an average across for each month. So if you know you, you don't really track it month, but at the end of the year you had $36,000 in total expenses, then take $3,000 and put it for each month. Again, the more information that you can have that you can separate into the appropriate months, the better off you're going to be. The other thing that I like to do at our firm is I like to pull out certain big items and particularly items that fluctuate for us so that I can kind of gauge those items individually. And so for us as a real estate closing firm, I pull out our abstract cost, and I also pull out our total payroll each month. So I have separate items and expenses. I have my total expenses per month, but also have an item for payroll and also have an item for how much we spent for outside title abstracts. And what we were able to find out during the uh, slowdown last year in 2022, around August, is that we were spending a lot of money on outside title abstractors. And so we figured out economically, it was better for us to hire another or one or two abstractors in-house and keep that business in-house and cut the amount of money we were spending with outside uh, abstractors. And it saved us a lot of money, which was able to save us a lot of jobs and we didn't have to lay off really, uh, really anybody. So it was a good move for us. And those are the kind of things that you'll start seeing with the more expenses that you separate on your spreadsheet, you might start realizing that you're spending a lot of money on certain items that you really didn't need to spend. So at this point now, you should have a good idea uh, because you can take your revenue, and now you've added your expenses, and then the final line item you're going to have are, is your totals, and you can pull that number from total revenue in 2023 for each month, pull the total expenses for each month for 2023, subtract one from the other, and it will tell you what your net is for each month. And now you're going to look at it on a 12 month basis, and you'll be able to see that in January I only made five grand, but in uh, maybe April I made 25 grand. And I've done that a couple of years in a row where I've had that big change in, in income. So now that you really know where your money is going to come from and what months it's going to come in, you can start planning financially a lot better. But when it comes to planning, this is only half the, the issue here. I think a lot of people stop right here and go, Well, I got all my numbers out there, and I'll look down for 10 minutes and I'm finished. Again, you need to spend a lot of time really looking at those numbers and seeing what you can find inside the numbers, but it's also the time that you now start to plan. We need to plan for next year, and I think a mistake that a lot of agents make is that they want to plan based on either I'm going to sell 47 units next year, or I'm going to do uh, $50 million in sales, or I'm going to do $200,000 in in, in gross commissions. Okay, all that's great, but that really doesn't get to the heart of the matter. And what is the heart of the matter? How much money you take home in your pocket? Does it matter if I sell 47 units if each one of the units was a $1,000 unit and I made little to no money off of each one of them? Or would it have been better to sell 15 units and take home 200 grand? I mean, I think that's a pretty simple rhetorical question. But that's why I'm planning based on numbers of units and based on uh, gross commissions and all this doesn't take into account all the other issues of expenses and so forth. So what I would suggest you do is think of how much money you want to make next year. What do you want to make? Is it 100 grand? Is it 200 grand? Is it 300 grand? What is it? Whatever that number is, it needs to be based on legitimate market forces and history. So if you made $25,000 in real estate and you want to make a goal of 200,000, is that legitimate? Can you do that realistically? I mean, maybe. Maybe you've gone to a new brokerage. Maybe you moved into it from a position of an assistant to now a full time agent. But is it really realistic that you can do 200 grand? What if you did 100 grand last year? Is 100 grand realistic this year in light of the market forces of limited inventory and high interest rates? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. So look at those numbers and see what is legitimate and don't put pie in the sky numbers that have no bearing in reality. I mean, I'm always going to push my goal. So if I wanted to make 100, you know, maybe I'm going to push it to 120 or 125 because I think maybe that's doable. But if I really want to make 100 and think I can make 100, I'm not going to put a goal of 500 grand because that's just having a goal like that's nonsensical. It's not ever going to happen. And it's just going to serve to discourage you. Okay. now. After you settle on your realistic goals and I want you to start working backwards now, what percent and what you want to do is look at what percentage of closings were buyers last year. What percentage were sellers? What was the average commission for each one of those types and figure it out? At the same percentage, how many buyers, how many sellers, and let's add that up for your goal. For example, say I want to make a $100,000. And let's say in 2022, my business split, or 2023 even now, that my business split 50-50, buyers to sellers. Well, on my listings, let's say I made $7,000 per listing, and on my buyers, I made $5,000 per listing on Apple. Let's do some math. Well, if I do 10 of each, that would be $70,000 on sellers, and if I did 10 on buyers, that'd be $50,000, so that would give me $120,000. So that's about $20,000 more than I planned, because I was really looking at making $100,000. This is one hundred twenty. dollars so let me see if I can back those numbers down. So let me say I move those numbers down back but instead of 10 each to 8 each, that would give me $56,000 at $7,000 per seller, And it's $5,000 per buyer. That would give me $40,000. So that's $96,000. So I'm right there. If I want to add one more buyer, that will give me one hundred and one. dollars So in the end, I need to close eight listings in the year. I need to close nine buyers in the year, 17 transactions, and I'm going to make $101,000. Okay, that's great, right? Well, really not because that's, first of all, we got to look and see if that's feasible. Second of all, that's just revenue. So let's talk about that for a second. First of all, is it feasible? Well, if in 2023 I did 15 or 19 transactions, sure. I mean, I can still do uh, 17 transactions. That's not an unfeasible, uh, infeasible plan. But let's say I did four last year. Is that really a plan uh, to do 17 this year? Or let's say I did 40 last year. Is 17 really all I need to do this year? Am I really going to cut my business from doing 40 to 17? I mean, maybe. Maybe if I'm looking for higher numbers this year in terms of uh, per transaction, but that doesn't seem like I'm, I'm doing myself any, any favors there. So you need to adjust those as needed based on your historical uh, print of 2021, 22, and 23. But we also have the problem of revenue. So 100000 in this scenario is only my revenue, but what about my expenses? Because after I take expenses out, I won't be making $100,000. I've created $100,000 in revenue, but not $100,000 in income. And that's the big thing you need to take from this today is revenue and income are two wholly different things. So now I'm going to have to look here at my revenue versus my expenses. And let's say my expenses are, say, maybe $6,000 a month. At that case, i want to have to sell at least one half more unit per month, and I'm going to have to uh, find a buyer at least one half a unit more per month. So in other words, I need to have six more listings and six more buyers over the course of the year to still make my number. So let's see how that looks. So at 14 listings and 16 buyers, now we're talking 30 transactions, It creates $98,000 in listings. It's going to create, what, $80,000 in buyers. It's $178,000 total dollars. My annual expenses at $6,000 a month is going to be $72,000 annually. So that means, again, I'm going to make around $106,000 after I pay my expenses. So that's around where I wanted to make. I wanted to make $100,000. So now I know, based on that, if I do 14 listings and 16 buyers with $7,000 being my average listing compensation and my average buyer compensation being $5,000, that I'm gonna at the end of the year make $106,000. Gives me $6,000 a little play, or I can sell one last buyer, 15 and I still get to the 100 grand. So now we're done, right? Well, not exactly. Again, we gotta go back and look over the last two or three years, and we need to place those transactions in the month of which I believe they're gonna happen. So pull out your calendars 21, 22, 23, lay those calendars out, look at them on an historic basis. If you sold one listing in January and February, each of the last two years, then is it likely you're going to sell three deals per month for a total of six in those first two months? Probably not. So use that historical data and determine which months we believe we're going to sell these listings and what months are we going to do these buyers and do the best you can. Now, I understand it's very flexible and in some months you may have a year, you may have a good January and you may have a terrible January of the next year. But if you're looking over 2021, 22, 23, and you're looking over those couple years, you might start to see some patterns. But whether you do or not, you kind of have a good idea of how your business starts and how it goes during the summer and track out where you want to have those closings. Now, why is that important? Well, my expenses may not go down. I may have $6,000 every single month because of marketing or pay for ads or whatever I'm doing. And those expenses are there whether I close or not. So I need to be able to understand what my monthly flow is going to be. So put all of the closings in the months in which you think you can realistically do them, review that based on 21, 22, and 23 numbers and see if that is legitimate, and then put those on your Excel spreadsheet for your 2024 year. This is what your projections are. January, one closing, February, two closings, March, three closings, April, three closings, May, 10 closings, whatever it may be, all the way around, separate them by buyer sides and seller sides, what your goals are, what your commissions would be, and then what your total revenue is for that month then put what your total expenses are projected to be at that month, and this is now your plan. Now, the only thing I would tell you at this point is also put another line there so that you can go from projected to actual. So you had projected three transactions in January for a total commission of 15, but you really did two, but you made 6000 on each one of those. You put So when you come back in January 2024, you'll put two in January, and then you'll put the higher commission at, at 12 so that you'll show Yeah, you did more transactions and you made a little bit more money or whatever it may be so that you can track all along the year as to where you are on your goal setting. And it's very important. This is the last thing I'll tell you. It's very, very important to not get set in this goal setting and meaning that as your 2024 year comes and goes, you need to be looking at it every single month. A lot of people will do these. They'll create this great spreadsheet, this great plan. They'll do it one time. They'll put it up and they'll never look at it again. The one that I've done for Blair Cato, which contains three different years for six different offices, expenses, uh, revenue, revenue broken down by closings, number of closings, dollars per closings, the expenses, title expense, uh, expenses for staffing. All of that that I have on this sheet every single month when our financials come out for the previous month, I enter that information in and then I go and look at the next month's coming up and I say, well, if we're averaging X. For expenses, am I high or am I low on my projected expenses for the next three months? If I'm high, I'll lower those projected expenses. If I'm low, I'm gonna raise those expenses. Same thing with revenue. And believe me, in 2023, we have changed and raised and lowered and back again every single month throughout the whole year because the year has been a little bit weird on some months being really big and some months being a lot less than projected. So it's something you just have to be willing to adjust because if you have set out 10 closings per month for 12 months, and after six months, you're sitting at five, your numbers aren't working. You got to go back in and redo your numbers and make sure that you can adjust them. They have to be living numbers, as I like to call it. And I think if you'll do this, you'll be able to plan your financial year a whole lot better. You'll be able to see growth. You'll be able to see patterns. You'll be able to plan your money out and really know where you need to be throughout the year, and you can gauge yourself and have somebody or something that kind of holds you accountable. That's the thing I like most about it, is the spreadsheet, in my mind, holds the partners at Blair Cato accountable. These are what numbers we put out there. This is what we've agreed upon. If we haven't met those numbers, then why? If we've exceeded those numbers, then why were we successful, and how do we duplicate that for the next month? So, it's a fantastic practice. Strongly recommend it. If you have any questions about it, we are very happy to help you figure out more for your planning. You can call me, Email me at Gary at BlairCato.com. In the Midlands, Heather Holt here is here to help you at Holt at BlairCato.com. And in the upstate, Kelly, I know has done this for a lot of you already in the upstate, Kelly, with an I, K L K E L L I at BlairCato.com. We're more than happy to help you plan your year so that you can have the absolute most successful year. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for our show today. Hope everybody enjoyed it and got something out of business planning 2023 slash 2024 y'all. Please like us, share us, subscribe, and come back again next week for another episode.